Welcome to this episode of the We Travel There podcast. We're in Madrid, Spain with my new friend Javier Garcia Colomo of CoolTourSpain.com. Javier was born and raised in Madrid, and he loves his hometown because you can find cultural activities almost every day of the week. In this episode, Javier and I talk about exploring Plaza Mayor, the oldest part of the city, visiting the Prado Museum, and experiencing Madrid Art Week. You hear about these three amazing experiences, plus so much more. The show notes will be available at wetravelthere.com forward slash Madrid. Now let's get started. The We Travel There podcast helps you travel like a local by interviewing guests from around the world to uncover the hidden gems of their city by finding out the best things to do, eat, drink, and see from a local's point of view. Whether I'm traveling for business or pleasure, it's important to have clothes that make me look good and feel great. I wear Bluffworks jeans, slacks, dress shirts, and blazers because they're wrinkle-free and are designed for the modern traveler. And if they get dirty, a quick spin in the washing machine, and they're good as new. Go to wetravelthere.com forward slash bluffworks for a special offer and select from the latest styles so you can stay wrinkle-free when you travel. Hey, Javier, welcome to the show. Hi there. How are you, Lee? Thank you for the opportunity. Yeah, no, it's great to be able to talk to you. So today we're talking about Madrid, Spain, and it's a city that I've only stopped in on the way to to Paris, and I I really miss the the opportunity to be able to explore the city. So it's wonderful to have you on, and can't wait to hear all about your amazing tips for the city. When was this? That was like nine years ago. So it was a long time ago, but uh, I was really upset that I didn't get a chance to to stop and explore. For sure, you had uh, a wonderful time in Paris, but you should have stopped uh, at least for a day or two on your way back to the U.S. You know, uh, Madrid, as the Spanish capital, has many things to offer, and I will be able to talk to your community now about it and all my tips. That's fantastic. So what's your connection to Madrid? Actually, I was born and raised here. I'm 34 years old, who actually lived in the U.S. I'm a teacher, a professional educator uh, for primary and pre-K. And uh, I spent three years of my life in Texas, actually in a little town called Odessa. Oh, yeah. No, I, I know about Odessa, Texas. That's a cute little town from what I understand. So what actually brought you back to Madrid then? It was a a familiar kind of matter in which uh, one day I was working in Denver, Colorado on my second time that I was as a teacher in the U.S. And I received from one day to another a call from a friend saying that your dad is really ill at hospital. So from one day to another, I had to come back. And uh, since then, this was seven years ago already, and I've been living again in beautiful Madrid. All my friends, family are here. So I'm kind of that local that could show you around in an alternative way, you know? Well, fantastic. Yeah, I mean, that's a great way to go back, you know, be able to spend time with your family and and be there for your dad. Correct. Actually, uh, he's doing great. And uh, anyways, it's good to be back. Absolutely. We love that. So uh, if, if somebody's going to f- uh, come to Madrid, basically plan their vacation, what time of year should they plan their trip based on the weather or different events that happen throughout the year? I would say compared to the seaside, Madrid is colder. There is less uh, kind of humidity. Consequently, I would suggest you to come late spring, let's say May, June, or early autumn, the end of summer. Let's say the last fortnight of September. That would be, if I would have to choose, you should come that time of the year. One, it's not going to rain, it's not going to be freezing cold. For example, last 
January, we had Philomena, which was a heavy, 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 heavy snow. Later, if you come in there in the summertime, you will have too hot weather as to be spending your time walking around in the city. So late spring or early autumn, that would be fall, would be the best times of the year to come. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. Now, as far as different festivals that happen throughout the year, what are some of your favorites? Well, I would like to uh, differentiate it in kind of the industries or the ideas that a festival could be, because you could talk about music as in regular terms, or you can talk about art, right? So if I would have to define a festival or to invite people to come to my city for a music festival, I would definitely say Matt Cool. Matt Cool opened, let's say, three years ago, taking into account that COVID has been through. But it's one of the most important, at least in the city of Madrid and in the rest of the country, not to say Europe, uh, for indie music and pop rock right? Uh, major big liners are in there as well as some electronic musicians. And then this takes place next to the airport. It's a great venue because it's open air and then you have different stages where artists perform live. At the same time, if I wanted to invite somebody to come to Madrid because of a festival, I would say contemporary art as well. There are several events, okay, which takes place al along the year, but I will recommend coming on late February, beginning of March, actually the last weekend and the first weekend of each month. There is Arco, which is the one of the most, as well as Art Basel, which takes place in Miami and in Switzerland. I would say that Arco, contemporary art, spelled in uh, letters would be the most famous one. But recently, there is a new modern art festival, let's say street art, which offers the opportunity not only to see the most avant-garde artists, uh, graffiti writers as well, in terms of canvases, but also opener in large murals. So uh, those would be Mad Cool, Urbanity, and Arco. By the way, uh, Mad Cool usually takes place during the summertime in July. Okay, yeah, that, that's pretty amazing. Now, if we're going to come for those, obviously, like from my experience, like the Madrid airport is one of the major international like destinations as you're flying from the U.S. You're going to fly through probably either Heathrow or Madrid or one of those type of airports, correct? That's right. Maybe if you come from the U.S., Miami has direct flights. By the time I was living in, in Texas, I came from Dallas straight to Madrid. Denver has direct flights. So wherever you are in the U.S., whether east or west, you should be able to come direct in approximately eight hours or even five hours flight. Later, you can connect uh, within Europe very easily because uh, there is a super famous kind of low fare airplane company, which is called Ryanair. And you can travel from here to, let's say, Paris, London, whatever the East European countries might be, such as Poland. You can travel within hours and as cheap as 30 euros per way which would be approximately $40. Yeah, from what I understand with, with Ryanair, it's, it's one of those ultra-low-cost carriers where the flight itself is really cheap, but you got to be careful about bringing extra bags on, on the flight and everything else like that. They, they uh, hit you with all the different charges. For you know, we're Americans, we're used to, oh, you can bring your bag, you can pick your seat, you can do all these other things where it's not a lot of money or it doesn't cost anything. But with them, there's a charge for every little thing. 
That's right. Any additional kind of service that you are adding would cost you more. And you have to be also careful when are you purchasing. I mean, if you're interested in traveling a Friday afternoon, probably it will be way more expensive than doing it on a Tuesday morning. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. So, okay. So now we've flown into the Madrid airport and from there to like the city center, what's the best way to get there? Is there a train or do we take a taxi? Do we rent a car? How do we do that? It will all depend on the traveler's taste, no? Obviously, if you want to get the easiest, fastest, and probably uh, the most luxurious way, you can rent uh, an Uber or with a regular official taxi, let's call it. It's this one with white color, and there is a stripe in red, which crosses the whole car. So that's, that's the way to identify a taxi. It will take you 30 euros to get to the city center, but... Then there are travelers who are interested in doing things like local people do it. And for example, if you ask me, the last time that I went to the airport, I went by Cercanías, okay, which is this intercity train system, which will take you into different parts of the city in a mass way. I mean, the, the capacity is higher than the metro, probably, although metro is way more used. If you go to Cercanías from the city center, Sol, uh, station to the airport, depending on the terminal that you are traveling, although it only goes to the terminal four, it will take you 30 minutes. Every half an hour, every peak hour, you have a um, direct train. There are six stations. And also, you have the option to do it with a metro. Okay. By the way, Cercanías costs you 240. And um, if you are traveling by metro, it will cost you the spend of the card, the plastic card, plus the 2.40 fare ticket that will take you to wherever you go within the city. It will take you approximately 45 minutes to get to the airport from the city center. So you have three options. You have a taxi, Uber, 30 euros. You have Cercanías, 2.4. And then you have the metro at approximately 5 euros. Okay. And then from there, uh, as we head into the, the downtown and the center of the city, where should we look for a hotel? Is it Should we stay in the center there or should we get a little bit more on the outskirts? It all depends on people's taste. But uh, if you would ask me directly, I would recommend somebody to check for this type of urban style uh, hotels so that you can get the, the taste for architecture or even design of local brand managers. Let's say, for example, Oscar Hotel, or if you would go to the Rio, there is this um, rooftop with the sky view, which probably could uh, offer you the best uh, panoramic within town, from town, you know? Oh, yeah. And uh, those are two hotels that I would recommend. Uh, they are not on the lowest part going from mid to higher scale but uh if i would travel i would do it that way uh they're in uh the city center close to chueca which is the gay district the lgbtq area famous in town and the other one is in plaza de españa which uh it's very close distance to the center maybe 15 minutes walking you know so those are the two hotels oscar that's one and two, Hotel Rio Plaza de España. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. Now, whether we're talking to the taxi or Uber driver or to the hotel manager, how does it work as far as, okay, say I'm American. I don't know very much Spanish. I know a little bit, but not enough to get by. And my wife is fluent in Spanish. But say if, I, if I'm traveling without her, is there a lot of people speaking English or should I 
try to brush up on my Spanish before I go? Depending on who are you talking with. Probably if you're talking to a young person, let's say uh, younger than 30 years old, they will probably get to answer you in your language, in English. Even with kids, little kids, they are learning fast at school, you know? So there could be another person who to talk with or to ask for directions. But if you are going on the higher end, let's say people over 50 years old, not everybody will be able to answer you. Still, Madrid is a very multicultural city. People who live here, you have to think that they come to work in big companies. Let's say there are 4.5 million inhabitants in town. I would say that at least half of it knows how to speak English. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. And then I use credit cards for all my purchases. But when I go there, you know, are most of the places going to be accepting credit cards or should I, should I convert some money into, into the local currency? I would always go with cash from the place that you are traveling to. Before coming here, I would suggest you to get some cash from your bank or from a local exchange currency shop that you have uh, if you live in a big city. And then uh, here, almost 99% of the places, they do accept credit cards. What you have to make sure is that your company allows international purchases. You should contact your bank supplier and tell them, hey, I'm going to Spain and block all the transactions that come from this country. No, for sure. And then also for the listeners, make sure you have a credit card that does not charge a foreign exchange fee. Uh, because those actually charge an extra 3% on everything that you're buying. You definitely don't want those hidden surprises. Now, when we're in Madrid, obviously, you, like you talked about, you do things that are a little bit more outside of the, the main like popular things. What are some of the alternative attractions we should visit when we're there in, in Madrid? Wow. You know, if I had a guest from, let's say, Dallas, Texas, first thing that I would take him to, to go uh, would be to live the experience in the city center. You can also observe the most classical parts of the city, like Plaza Mayor, Puerta del Sol, Gran Vía. But uh, the real Madrid that I want this person to know is those areas within the city center that are not that touristy, but still popular among locals. For example, I would say first neighborhood that you should check is Embajadores which is, let's say, a 50 minutes to 20 minutes walk from Seoul, from the city center, and you will get to see how multicultural um, this area is, how the urban style matches with the classic buildings that you will observe in the area, including uh, former tobacco factories or even former slaughterhouses, you know. And the other neighborhood, similar to Lavapiés, in the style, hipster, trendy, modern, would be Malasaña. Closest metro station is Tribunal. And in there, around Plaza Dos de Mayo, you will start to see how many terraces you will have to, you know, have a drink with your friends or even enjoy from that local ambience, that local atmosphere that you might be looking for. Consequently, I would say Lavapiés and Malasaña. And within those locations, Lee, I have... Uh, Two spots that I would recommend. One, within Lava Pies, I would recommend you to visit La Tabacalera, 
which is a former 19th century tobacco factory, which is now turned into an arts exhibition spot. It has two parts, which is Tabacalera Promoción del Arte, and the other, which is the self-sustained area, which features a, a street art festival on the Calle Miguel Cervet. This is the first spot. And the second one would be La Neomudejar, that it's on the back part of uh, Atocha Renfe Station, the most important railway station, I would say, in Madrid and even in Spain, which features an avant-garde center, okay, which is kind of hosted at this great architecture from the 19th century, Modejar, Neomudejar, in the style. And then avant-garde exhibitions, brute art, street art, visual arts and different poetry, jam sessions, music concerts. The entrance is only four euros and uh, it will let you discover the alternative artistic movement in town. Oh, wow. That's amazing. Because uh, I know that uh, Madrid is, is really well known for, for art with like its, its probably its more well-known museums, the Prada Museum and the Reina Sofia, things like that. So all those are, are definitely worthwhile to visit. You don't want to miss out on these other ones that you're just mentioning as well, because then you can get like the full spectrum of the art that's coming out of Madrid. Yes. Um, I mean, you were asking me what's the first place that a, that a visitor should go to visit. So I know that for sure on their own, they will visit the most touristic parts, but probably those that I'm recommending, he or she will never get to find it on the internet or even in guidebooks, you know. So it's a good way to hear from somebody who is from town, what are the spots not to be missed. Oh, absolutely. And then, so one of the things I love to do is like watch the sunsets, especially if I have my wife with me, you know, it's a little romantic and everything like that. I think you have a, a really good spot that you can recommend that we can go see some amazing sunsets. That's right. And it's a park and it's free and it's lovely. And you will get to see the perfect panoramic view in town. <laughs> you know, <laughs> let me tell you, it's called the Parque de las Siete Tetas. It may sound uh, bizarre because uh, the name Tetas would translate to boobs, you know, so it would be the Seven Boobs Hills Park, right? <laughs> but actually, it formerly, the park was known as Parque del Cerro del Tío Pío, and a person who used to live there, the park was named after him. But it's from there, from Buenos Aires Metro Station in the line number one. It's on the outskirts. It's in a kind of uh, middle-class neighborhood in which you will get to see all the inner part of Madrid city center, Almudena, Cathedral, you know, the Royal Palace. You will get to see the communications tower, El Piruli. You will get to see even from there, the airport. So you had a whole panoramic view from a hill, you know, and especially I would uh, suggest people go visit it in springtime and early fall that I was mentioning at the beginning of this podcast. Uh, I would recommend them to visit it on a Sunday, because you may find somebody playing music, usually classic guitar, Spanish guitar. Oh, wow. That'd be amazing. Now, speaking of like romantic settings and those types of things, where would we go to get like a really nice meal? Oh, yes. That's something that I, that I love. Let me tell you, if you really want to visit a very good restaurant that you will be served by the, one of the top chefs in town, I would suggest you to go to Nakeima, N-A-K-E-I-M-A. Probably you will be spending about 60 euros per person, even more, uh, but you will get these uh, little dishes that you can even get on one bite, and it's a 
you know, an explosion of flavors in your mouth. Something that it will combine Spanish typical food like cocido, but with an Asian style. And that's something that is very creative and uh, it will show kind of how Madrid food style could offer you different choices. This is one, but of course, I would take my guest to local tapas spots. These are bars or restaurants that it depends. If you go to the city center, probably you will see more international people. But if you go to the suburbs, you will see how locals hang around. You know, you can get beers as cheap as uh, two euros, 230. And uh, they will all give you a tapa, which is this side dish. It's a compliment with a drink. So as long as you order, you will get, let's say, free food. Oh, nice. There are several ones. For example, one that I love in the city center is El Trebol. But also there is another one around the El Rastro de Madrid, which is the biggest and most important flea market in town. I would suggest Los Caracoles, which curiosity is that there are snails. We love snails. And uh, the intestines of uh, cows, pigs, callos a la madrileña which is a very typical dish. So I would take my guests to this fancy restaurant called Nagaima, then local tapas spots. And I had one spot, which is something that I would like to feature, which is Antonia Pizza Bar. Okay. It's a spot in Malasaña in which you can get the, let's say pepperoni or any other type of pizza that you want for takeaway, of course. Cheap price, real food, and a great neighborhood. Oh, wow. That sounds amazing. What about if like, if somebody wanted uh, breakfast before the beginning of the day, they, before they get ready to go out and explore the city, where would they go to get a really nice breakfast? You can get at mine. I usually, you know, I drink <laughs> uh, orange juice and then I have a loaf of bread, let's say even less than five inches uh, toast, uh, which I get the uh, tomato, squeezed tomato, and uh, ham, jamón ibérico, and then a piece of fruit. So that's a very common way to start your, your day with that breakfast that I go to work. Uh, but in town, in the city center, I would suggest you to visit Pum Pum Cafe. They offer toast, you know, with uh, aguacate, avocado, and special coffee, which uh, are really nice to try. Oh, that sounds really good. I know that flamenco dancing is a big thing, you know, there as well. Is there a good place to maybe go flamenco dancing, have a, have a little dinner or something like that? If you're interested in flamenco, to me, those are made for tourism. Okay. Right? If you really want to get to see a flamenco show, you know, which is similar to a theater, I would suggest you to visit Centro Cultural Flamenco de Madrid which is this uh, cultural center in which uh, lovers of this st music style, young artists, they offer performances in which you will hear not only the guitar, but the clapping, the uh, voice of a female or a male artist who is singing pure flamenco. That's the real spot that I would recommend people, visitors, going to Centro Cultural Flamenco de Madrid. No, that's much better than the uh, the touristy version that I was talking about. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds much more better. So, you know, Javier, I really appreciate you sharing all these amazing tips from Madrid. I've learned a lot, and I can't wait to come visit you. But now it's time for the final countdown. If somebody only had time for one meal when they visited Madrid, where should they go and what should they eat? Okay, 
I would suggest them to visit Mercado de la Cebada, which is a kind of regular food market where people get their, let's say, groceries, bakery, fishmonger, all of this, but it mixes restaurants and stalls, food stalls. So I would recommend them to visit Mercado de la Cebada, kind of in a very friendly way, get lost and try the different stalls that they may serve you, like Spanish, Mexican style, or they could offer you Spanish wine with olives and even an oil testing. Those are the spots that I would suggest them, a person to visit, no? Mercado de la Cebada or any other of the municipal food markets that exist in town, like Mercado San Fernando, Mercado Anton Martin. Oh, that sounds perfect. My wife is all about the, uh, it's kind of sampling you know, as she bounced it around between all those different spots. She would absolutely love that. Now, like you said, you've, you were born there, and then uh, you've come back and forth a couple of different times, and so you spent most of your life uh, there in Madrid. What's one of your most memorable stories? So, Lee, one of my most memorable stories was when I was a teenager. I remember Real Madrid winning the 10th European Cup, all right? This was totally crazy. People got to the streets. We even uh, swam at public fountains. And I remember <laughs> going there with my friends. And it's something that, wow, you know, the spirit of, uh, of a footballer, of a passion, a, a lover of football that is for Real Madrid. I remember that as one of the greatest times that I, I've ever had. Yeah, that's amazing. I mean, I know in America, we, we are, are pretty passionate about sports, but I think that the the passion that you and the, you know others show for the for their cities or their major teams, I think it, it it as far surpasses anything that we have in the United States. If you're talking about uh, soccer, probably because uh, here we live football way different. It's like um, American football in there, no? So if you follow Cowboys or the Giants or the 49ers, you will get that. Oh, for sure, for sure. Well, speaking of happy times, where is the happiest happy hour in Madrid? I would suggest you to visit the little corner bar where Esta es una plaza is. This is an urban garden that you can get to see around Lava Pies district. And they have uh, beers as cheap as one euro for a double glass, you know? So it's pretty cheap. If I would have to recommend other people another spot where to get uh, cheap drinks and happy hour, I would say around Calle Argumosa. That's a very good area where to sit on a terrace or either on the inside of a bar uh, to get happy hour. Uh, on this street, there is a, a good bar which offers a wide variety of uh, beers, you know, from Europe, from Spain, from the US, which is called Cannibal with a K. Oh, nice. Uh, that sounds really good. Uh, a lot of good choices there. Now, one of the things I always do whenever I travel is check out the local pizza. Where's the best place for pepperoni pizza in Madrid? I would suggest uh, people visiting Antonia Pizza Bar. I was saying before that uh, whenever you're hanging around uh, late afternoon on a Friday night with your friends in Malasaña District, you know, you're visiting several bars and then suddenly you get hungry. I would suggest you to visit Antonia Pizza, which is a great spot for a pepperoni takeaway pizza. Well, fantastic. Now, again, you know so much about Madrid, and then you've obviously traveled a lot, and then you're, you're a great tour guide there within Madrid as well. So you, ha you have to have some great tips. Like, what's your best travel tip? I would say that the best travel tip is go check on the internet for this uh, 
local Facebook groups. For example, if you are an American and you want to meet other fellow Americans in town, you should check Auxiliares de Conversación in Madrid, which is this Facebook group which shares many tips many things to do in town for the expat community and uh, that's a very good tip that I would uh, give someone if they wanted to come to my city. Oh no, that's a really good tip. Remember Auxiliares de Conversación in Madrid, which is basically the teaching program of, uh, let's say, primary, elementary, high school teaching in the US to come here to Spain. Oh, perfect. Javier, I really appreciate you sharing all these amazing tips for Madrid. I learned a lot, and I'm sure the listeners did as well. Can you tell the audience a little bit more about what you do? And if somebody has questions about Madrid or about your tours, what's the best way for them to reach you on social media? Sure, yeah. Well, one of the things was to uh, share the idea of an alternative opportunity to visit Madrid. And if you enjoyed these tips, I would suggest you to visit cooltourspain.com or on social media such as Instagram and Facebook. It's something cool. It's cheap. It's alternative. It's a tour, which is a guided visit. All right. And it's in Spain. So in Madrid, whenever you are visiting, you should take part on at one of our street art tours, which will show you the local graffiti history, the street art festivals and the artists who are performing in the streets and uh, several other events such as workshops in which people can get to participate and practice graffiti with a local writer in town. Oh, that sounds like a lot of fun. Uh, that sounds awesome. Uh, we'll include links to all that in the show notes. And uh, Javier, I really appreciate you coming on the show, and we look forward to seeing you when we travel there. Thank you very much, Lee, for the opportunity. And if you ever come to Madrid and you heard this podcast, please contact me. It will be very fun to meet in town. Absolutely. I totally agree. Thank you so much. What a fun conversation with Javier. I love the culture of Spain and I can't wait to visit someday. You can find all the links we talked about today at wetravelthere.com forward slash Madrid. We want to say thank you to Bluffworks for being an affiliate partner of today's episode. Bluffworks offers many styles that fit your needs. That way you can stay wrinkle free while traveling. Go to wetravelthere.com forward slash Bluffworks and use the promo code Lee to save 10% off your order. Join us next time as we head to Greenwich, Connecticut to speak with my new friend Stasha Healy, the author of Secret Connecticut by Reedy Press. In this episode, Stasha and I talk about stopping for a drink at Putnam Cottage, exploring the Bruce Museum, and taking the Connecticut Art Trail to see more than 20 museums throughout the state. We hope you join us when we travel there. If you've enjoyed this podcast episode, please share it with your friends and tell them what you like most. Make sure you follow us on your favorite podcast app, that way you don't miss any of our coming destinations. 